Bring it in. Read options back with another episode. And uh, today, first and foremost, my sister's 30th birthday as we're recording this. So happy birthday to my sister, Amy. A big yes. 3-0. Uh, as my grandmother would say, she never... she My grandmother turned 29 every year for about 40 years. So I was going to make that joke to my sister. But you know what? I think she's okay with it. I think she's all right. Uh, we had a good time celebrating her last weekend, but today's her actual day. So I wanted to give her a shout out on the pod. Uh, and in addition to that, we also have another great week of NFL football. Now, uh, we should at least touch on before we go into the games and the preview, Scotty. We should touch on what Monday night. <laughs> oh, uh, OK. Should we? I don't want to, okay. but we're going to. <laughs> Uh, a really ugly game uh, for Philadelphia. With uh, it was the first game where the luck really wasn't their way, didn't go their way. Um, the interception on the deep ball to AJ Brown hit AJ Brown square in the hands and kind of took a weird hop in his hands and somehow fell into the safety. It was a great play by the safety. Yeah. Um, and then obviously you had the egregious. Uh, the, the penalty they did call in the late hit out of bounds, which was horseshit, which led to a field goal. Uh, and then you had the face mask uh, call that didn't get called uh, that also injured Dallas Goddard, but less people are talking about that because it was a dirty play. Um, there's a reason why face masking is illegal. It's because it fucking hurts people. And now Dallas Goddard is headed to the IR uh, and that doesn't get called. In addition to that, he fumbled the ball in the play, which leads to another field goal. So two major missed calls lead to uh, at least six points for the uh, Washington Commanders. But you got to give credit where credit's due. The first half, they absolutely dominated time of possession. They dominated the run game. Jonathan Gannon got his fucking ass kicked for the second week in a row. That dude is horrendous. I don't care what any statistics say. I said this all last year in the second half of the season when all of a sudden the Eagles had like a top 10 defense. And I was like, no, they don't. Jonathan Gannon's a fucking fraud. And it's for shit well, like this yeah. because Houston did the exact same fucking thing. Mm-hmm. The Eagles exact. had, I was had just gonna say that two weeks to prepare. And then they come out yeah. and get bullied by uh, an offensive line that has three backups starting in it. Uh, and Taylor Heineke and not that the Brian Robinson story isn't great or that Antonio Gibson's not a decent player, but these are not star running backs. These are not the kind of running backs who should be having the day that they did. Uh, and what's crazy about it. I still kind of feel like the Eagles probably should have won that game, um, which says a lot about this team that even in their worst performance of the year, you can kind of leave and go, you know what? I do think, the Eagles were definitely the better team there, and Washington played better on Monday night. So that's my little monologue. I'll hand it off to you and get. I want you to get your thoughts in there too. But yeah, no, uh, obviously the uh, the penalties, uh, the missed penalties rather, were were a big part of of how that game unfurled. And obviously, quite honestly, the rest of the the I mean, the end of the season here with Dallas Goddard being out, we might see uh, our friend of the pot, Grant Calcaterra, a little bit more. Uh, running some routes out there for the Eagles at tight end. But still, uh, I, I think this goes back to to two things. Uh, and you nailed one. It was Jonathan Gannon uh, who who saw the the same sort of, of thing against uh, against Houston. And look, 
I don't understand how, and this is how we know it's it's a problem with him, right? They go man, they body up, and they dominate one of the best receivers in the game uh, in, in prime time in Justin Jefferson. And the last two weeks, they've played teams with, uh, well, the, the commanders have a significantly better receiving core. They just got Jahan Dotson back. So what were you expecting out of him? Uh, Terry McLaurin's been on the come up, but like Curtis Samuel hasn't been the the same uh, sort of receiver that he was at the beginning of the year. And then the last game you had was with uh, with Houston. What receivers did they have? And it all got exploited, um, I think, on on the defensive end for Philadelphia. And then what really surprised me, and they've been coming along. We've said it on the podcast over the past couple of weeks, but uh, week over week, the Washington defense is getting better and better, and they're going to get their best player back next week at Chase Young. Um, so that's a force to be reckoned with. Believe yeah. that. And they're playing good football. They're playing winning football. Um, I, I would say too, in some of their closer games, they've, they've had a bunch of luck on their side. Uh, they've been on the positive end of some missed calls uh, as well as just some lucky bounces. And that's kind of part of the NFL, right? Like you can't, you don't apologize for winning. You don't apologize for beating, uh, you know, your rival the way that they just did on Monday night football, on the national stage. Um, uh, the Jonathan Gannon thing is incredibly frustrating, but at the same time, you know, Darius Slay had his worst game of the year by far. Um, Terry McLaurin was cooking him. Um, but a lot of the stuff that Gannon, a lot of it was Gannon. And Maddox him is in, out too. And not having Avante Maddox too. Josiah yeah. Scott, the, the uh, undrafted rookie getting uh, fucked up there in that nickel spot uh, by Curtis Samuel. But it was a lack of tackling. It was a lack, obviously, that not having Jordan Davis in there hurts. You saw the Eagles go out and sign not only Linval Joseph, uh, but they also signed Nandamakin Sue to add a little bit of extra depth along that defensive line as now Jordan Davis and uh, Tui Pelotu are both uh, sidelined now and on the IR. We should be getting Jordan Davis back in a couple of weeks, which uh, is good news. And, and I, I mean, the biggest miss is Goddard. I mean, Goddard's been the number two tight end in football this year he's been unbelievable and such a safety blanket for um for Jalen and and he was leading the league in yards after the catch I mean like as a tight Mm -hmm. end you know like that's just that's how good he's been so that's a huge loss um Darius Slay's always going to have a bad game or two uh James Bradbury had a bad game the defense as a whole had a bad game and you know what the more the longer you go as an undefeated team the more that pressure seems to build the more that that monkey on your back gets bigger and bigger. And you saw A.J. Brown talk about after the game. He said to the media, he's like, thank God this, this 17-0 shit is over. Uh, we knew there was going to be a game that they lost. I thought it was more likely going to be Tennessee or one of the games against the Giants or the rematch against the Cowboys. Um, this is not a team that this Eagles squad should have lost to. Uh, but, you know, if Quez Watkins doesn't fumble the ball at the end of that game, I mean, if he doesn't dive inexplicably for a ball he could have ran and taken to the house, uh, you know, that it's a completely different game. And and we're talking about the Eagles, you know, and Jalen Hurts with this miraculous comeback uh, and forcing Taylor Heineke to go down and score down three points at the end of a fourth quarter. So it sucks. Obviously, as an Eagles fan, it's not something you ever want to see, uh, especially when your team's 8-0 and and if the Vikings had lost to Buffalo, like they probably should have, I would have felt a lot better about it. I think that's, that's a big part of this too. Um, they still have the one game advantage because of the head to head. 
But you know, if Minnesota's seven and two, Philly's eight and one, and but they have the thing, then you know, we're talking about at least still a two-game lead of first place. This is one of those games where you're like, man, somehow the Giants and Eagles haven't even played yet, and the Eagles are only a game ahead of them. And the Eagles and Vikings have the same record, but they have the tie break. So it, it's a weird thing because it feels like Philly is the clear-cut best team in the NFC. But because the NFC has been so tops or kind of weirdly spread out in terms of wins and losses, um, they're only a one slip up away from losing this one seed. And that's a dangerous do position you, to be in. Do you think, though, that for the Eagles, uh, when you think about the the seeding in the playoffs, do you think they'd been? I mean, look, everybody benefits, I think, for the most part with the first round by you get an extra week of rest. Um, especially as as grueling as the NFL season is. But at times we've seen momentum kind of killed because of that. I tend to think that the Eagles are one of those teams that would get that momentum killed. I think they need to, uh, they'd be better, better served in the two seed where they can just kind of run through the playoffs and play through the first round. I mean, to be honest, I don't think we know. What I will say is coming off the bye, they beat the living shit out of the Steelers. And if that is any indication as to what this team will look like coming off of a bye. And I know I get it. The Steelers aren't a great team, but also look at the teams that the Steelers have beat or played to one score games. And they just beat the saints. They beat Tampa Bay, right? Like they've, they've played tough against a lot of teams and the Eagles blew them out by almost three scores. So if, if that is any indication, I would always take the bye week just to get everybody healthy, especially at that point of the year, the little nagging injuries, um, but yeah, to me, just an interesting, I mean, we can I'll talk about the, that down the line. Yeah, of course. But I, the more important thing is the home field event that, that is yeah, by right. far, cause we've seen what happens when Philadelphia is a one seed and the NFC and the NFC runs through Philly, you know, I think it was 2003, uh, and then 2017. And then now this year were the last three times, cause I don't think they were the one seed the year they went to the Super Bowl. Um, no, they were the one seed. So I guess it was oh five. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it was oh three, oh four, seventeen, and twenty-two. Uh, and in those three games in the NFC championship game being in Philly, the Eagles are two and three. So, like you, you know, I'd I'd take those odds. Philly's mm-hmm. not a fun place to play, and uh, a lot of teams know that. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll see what it is. Shout out, I mean, I will say this too. Taylor Heineke is exceedingly likable. I thought the roughing the passer or unnecessary roughness call at the end was horseshit. Um, that's a really slippery slope, blurred lines kind of situation because what's the stop, you know, Tom Brady from seeing the pass rush, you know, he knows he's getting beat and immediately drops to his knee at the last second, gets hit, and now it's a 15-yard gain, you know? Like, it's a slippery slope. I, I get why they called it, and I do – as much as I hate to say it, I do think it was the correct call according to the you know the letter of the law there, but I didn't like that as a as a reason. But Heineke played smart. They got the benefit of the doubt from the refs a lot in this game. I hope the refs were able to make it out of Philly safely because uh, I would not have wanted to be in their shoes. Um, any other thoughts from Monday night? I mean, again, it doesn't really change the standings all that much. I do think we have to start taking Washington a little bit more seriously now. Yeah, they're frisky, um, huh? And I, what's crazy, and you you texted me and vetoed this Washington fans. You oh, jeez, enough! Yeah, saying, oh yeah, enough. Taylor Heineke's kept us afloat, but cars, you know, just until Carson comes back, it's like, come on, dude. Like, 
Uh, no, yeah. This is Taylor Heineke's team. <laughs> well, I don't that, think we see Carson once again this season. That was the thing. It, it was bombastically praising the, the commanders for the win, which great. Like you're entitled to do that when your team wins a big game like that. But, you know, totally. then it was, then it went from that to, oh, well, we're, I think we're the best team in the NFC East top to bottom because we're, we're mostly healthy. Our defense is getting better by the week. And, our offense is, is looked consistent, blah, 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 blah. And then I can forgive all of that, all of it, until you say that Taylor Heineke kept us afloat so that we can get back to Carson Wentz and get back to winning. Uh, excuse me? Taylor Heineke is the only thing that's kept you winning <laughs> on the yeah. offensive side of the ball. So yeah. shut your mouth and let the Green Lizard do his thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, at this point, like, uh, there's no there's no reason for Carson Wentz to be playing football anymore. At least not for the Washington Commanders. Uh, you know, the XFL started up. I bet he'd be a big name for them to go out and get. I mean, I don't know how any team even entertains starting Carson Wentz at this point. Um, I mean, just this at this point, they've played about the same number of games, and they're two completely different teams. And I think a part of that, too, comes back to the Russell Wilson thing. You know, I just – I don't think his teammates like Carson Wentz. <laughs> yeah, I don't think no. I don't think I mean, Russell Wilson's teammates like Russ. Like I think I don't think I don't he's a good really leader. think Ron Rivera cares for Carson Wentz. Truthfully, <laughs> no. Uh, and I guarantee you, if they don't make that trade to go get Carson Wentz and give up the draft capital and take on that contract and everything else, and they go into the season with Taylor Heineke, they probably have at least one or two more wins on their on their record. Yeah. I'm with you. And that makes the you. NFC East look even that much better. Um, all right. With that being said, let's hop into week 11. Bite your tongue. I know that's hard to hear and say. Mm. Um, we have a great Thursday night. Well, not great. We have an interesting Thursday night game tonight uh, that could end up being a great game. Tennessee at Green Bay. Green Bay coming off their first major win and season-saving win of the season. They're still in the hunt, and a win here gets them to five and six. This feels kind of like the beginning of a couple of years ago when we had Aaron Rodgers say they were going to run the table, and then what, they, they had like eight straight wins to sneak into the playoff, and they got all the way to the NFC Championship game. Um, this team, who knows, maybe they found something with Christian Watson there. Uh, and, and maybe something clicked for them. They played a really good Dallas defense. They're going to play, in my opinion, I think an even better defense. And you could make the argument that Tennessee might be the best defense in the NFL uh, because I think the more we – and we talked about this on Tuesday show, but the more we're realizing and watching, Dallas is a really good defense with really good individual players, um, but they have holes, primarily if you're able to run at them. Uh, and, and the second you start running at them like Philly did, like Green Bay did, uh, and, and like Tampa Bay did in week one, you start to see some other things open up in the passing game and Philly took advantage of it. Green Bay took advantage of it and, uh, and Tampa Bay did as well. So uh, that being said, Dallas's defense really good. Tennessee's I think is even better. So it's going to be a really tall task here. The one weakness you could say on this Tennessee team, the outside in particular um, the, the corners in Tennessee, you still have Caleb Farley second year, kind of a pseudo rookie year, given his situation with the back injury. Uh, they do have one of the best safeties in football with uh, Kevin Byard. So Green Bay has an opportunity here to prove, hey, we 
did that wasn't just a blip in the radar. It wasn't just a Mike McCarthy revenge game for Aaron Rodgers. We are back. We are able to move the ball and put up points, and our defense is good. Uh, I expect this to be a pretty low-scoring game, Thursday night football. You got Tennessee, Green Bay, Green Bay minus three, which is a very interesting line. Where are you feeling right out of the gates here, Scotty? I'm going Titans. Terrick Henry is due for a big game after he had a terrible week last week. Uh, look, I know I said on on Tuesday that uh, on Tuesday's pod that this is the best we've seen Green Bay's defense play. But that was their secondary for the most part that played well, their second level that was able to kind of neutralize the the passing attack that um, that Dak Prescott and the Cowboys were bringing. And in terms of running the ball, they gave up the explosive plays. They did nothing to to stop Tony Pollard on defense. Uh, and I think Derrick Henry is is going to have a really big day. I'm tempted to make this my prop pick. Uh, because his over on yards is 100 and a half. So I would go get that if you can. It's probably close to 105, 110. Um, but uh, I would go get that as a prop pick if you're if you're putting together a, a little card. Uh, and no, I'm not going to do that, though. I will take the Titans on points uh, for the purposes of our podcast. I think their offense is going to be uh, able to not only hold possession, but be able to move the ball with Derrick Henry. Uh, and I don't think the, uh, the the Packers defense is ready for it. Uh, I'm with you 100%. I'm taking Tennessee. This does feel primetime. Derrick Henry, November. This is Tractacito season. Uh, I also thought about making this by prop game, uh, but for the over under, 41 points seems a little high. Mm. I, th- I think for a Thursday well, game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a Thursday night game. It's a short week. Aaron Rodgers has had one good performance so far, and it was a rookie wide receiver having a massive blow up. The likelihood of Christian Watts doing that in back-to-back weeks and being a true number one seems unlikely. And even still, the Packers wouldn't have covered this spread against Green Bay. And I think Tennessee's defense is against Dallas last week. They won by three. And I think Tennessee's defense is even better. Uh, And and Tennessee's offense is going to be harder for them to stop. It's another – Tannehill did not look super healthy last week, so he gets another week of recovery and rest. I think that makes Tannehill better. I think that makes Derrick Henry better. Uh, And I think the Packers' defense, as you pointed out, they had trouble stopping Tony Pollard. And it was Dallas's reluctance to throw – or to to stick with the run that ultimately did them in in that game – last week against Green Bay. And we know one thing with Mike Vrabel, he's not afraid to run the ball 30-plus times if need be. I think this is a win for Tennessee, plus you're getting the the, the plus three points. I am also taking Tennessee. Um, all right, so we're both on the Titans. Let's move on now to the Sunday slate. No more early games. We are done. We have one more international game, but that is the Mexico was it Mexico That's City this week game. on Monday night. The so, Monday yeah. night game, yep. Uh, we have Chicago at Atlanta. Right now, Atlanta is a three-point favorite. Um, I'm, I'll say this right now. I'm all in on Chicago winning this game or at least covering the spread. I think it's going to be a close game. Atlanta's defense is not particularly great. And more importantly, they've struggled significantly against mobile quarterbacks. I mean, look what, you know, P.J. Walker did to them just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they were a really fun story starting off in the season, but – um, throughout the rest of their season here, their losses have come against talented, big athletic quarterbacks, uh, with the exception of the game against Tom Brady. So, uh, but you look at, it, I mean, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, PJ Walker, I know they're coming off the bye, which helps. Um, but now, or no, they played on Thursday night last week. So it's mini buy, not quite a full buy. 
but I think Justin Fields and them have something going here. I don't expect another 150-yard performance that we've seen uh, for, for Justin Fields, but I do think Justin Fields is starting to have a command of this offense, uh, and, and I like this Atlanta team. Um, but I will say I am worried about how they match up defensively against Justin Fields. So I'm taking the Bears plus three. Intriguing. Um, see, the thing is that in those close games where mobile quarterbacks did kind of uh, did kind of wreck them, um, say for uh, last week, uh, but they've they've been still relatively close in those games. Uh, and the running game has powered them to a place where Yunkwe Ku can can put it away for him. Um, and so I think, as much as I I would love to, I do think it's going to be a close game. I'm going to go with the uh, I'm going to I'm going to ride with my boy, uh, the kicking Korean Yunkwe Ku is gonna is going to be able to help uh, power these guys to the spread with a couple of field goals to put it over three. But this is my prop bet uh, this week: the Bears for I'm not going to take them on the spread. Uh, but the Bears team total over at 23 and a half. The Bears are seven and three this season on team total overs. Uh, they are, I think they lead the league in that uh, statistic. Um, so tw- over 23 and a half for the Bears on the team total is my prop. Falcons on the spread. Interesting. All right. Uh, there we have it. So you're expecting a high scoring game. So that would also put the over in play. That's another one. The over under on this one, I think, is 49, uh, mm-hmm. which seems pretty likely uh just a matter of which version of atlanta we're going to see because atlanta's offense for as good and you know ground and pound as it was early on has tailed off the last few weeks so we'll see what they look like here uh in week 11 uh next up the cleveland buffalo game this game just announced a couple hours ago will be moved from buffalo to detroit due to a snowstorm that is coming in uh to buffalo expecting anywhere up from three to six feet of snow, one of the biggest snowstorms in the history of the United States, which uh, is saying something for even the people of Buffalo to uh, to get ready for. Uh, what this does mean is a dome game. It means the Buffalo Bills are going to be able to play fast. We already know they're going to be pissed off. They're an eight-point favorite. Is there any reason, Scotty, not to take Buffalo minus eight in this game? Um. No, I don't think so, um, man. I I will say I'm a little uh, I'm a little upset about the uh, not playing in Buffalo thing. Um, like I get it; it's a huge amount of infrastructure you have to worry about too. Yeah, no, I get it. But there are players. Stefan Diggs is like six foot exactly. He the 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 snow would come potentially up to like the top of his helmet. Yeah, and four inches over Josh uh, or Josh Allen would be standing over it. BFD. I don't care the. Th- thing is this is football gentlemen and it's week 11 you play in the snow you let nick chubb run the ball 86 times for 420 yards because he's on my fantasy team and that's what you do when you have a a mid-november game in buffalo that's just what you sign up for i'm sorry get some plows get over it no you're this is your old man is showing (laughs) cover up scotty your old man is showing i love snow Uh, games more than anybody else i fucking love snow games but anything over like a foot of snow is borderline unplayable i mean that central michigan western michigan game was a tuesday night wednesday night uh this week was i mean it was like the perfect amount of snow but even that was getting to the point where a it's unsafe and can you imagine if they tried to play that game in buffalo and josh allen tears his acl because of the field conditions 
You know, it's just not something you can do. Don't play they, in Buffalo. They, well, that's not really how it works, Scotty. That's, <laughs> that's, I, which I, you just said, don't play in Buffalo. They're not playing in Buffalo. They're playing in Detroit <laughs> this week. So uh, I'm riding high with Buffalo. I'm also, we're both early in our props for this week. I'm taking the over here, 43 points yeah. on the over under, which seems really low to me. This screams a major Buffalo bounce back. Cleveland's defense, we've been saying it. I've been saying it since like week two or week three, is not the same defense that it was for all the talent they have. We know that Miles Garrett's a stud, but the back end of that defense is not as good. They had a bunch of first-round, second-round draft picks that haven't panned out. Um, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, great player. He's been battling injuries all year. The interior defensive line is not that good. Uh, this defense for Cleveland is not a good defense. Buffalo's offense will be able to run as much as they want. They'll be playing on turf in Detroit, so they'll be able to fly around. Stephon Diggs is going to have a field day. This is a Buffalo major win. I think they put up 35-plus points alone by themselves. I think Cleveland gets the end zone at least once, uh, and that should cover the 43. It, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. The only thing I can – I would counter with is we saw the bill or the, uh, the Browns play uh, for, for all the, what we've been talking about their, their defense not being good last week, they played pretty decently uh, against uh, a really explosive offense in Miami. Did they? How Um, many points did they give up? Yeah, but 39, but like that, that play decent. Look how much Jalen banked. Look how much Jalen Waddle did. Right. They, they couldn't stop the run. That's for sure. They couldn't stop Tyreek Hill. That's for sure. But if it's if it's just one dimensional, uh, that's that's where I think that's a step in the right direction for the Browns defense. I'm not saying that it's going to be able to stop uh, Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis and Isaiah McKenzie and Devin Singletary and Josh Allen. Not not at not at all by any stretch. But I do think that it could be. I wouldn't be shocked if it were uh, closer at halftime, maybe than people think. Um, I'm going to take the Bills uh, as well uh, in this one. Uh, the 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 Browns are one four and one in the last six meetings against the Bills uh, against the spread, and uh, and the favorite is five zero oh, and one in their last six meetings. So, yeah, it's high, but I'm all over the Bills. All right. Uh, let's move on. Going to stay in the AFC East. Two teams coming off a of bye. The six and three Jets visiting the New England Patriots. Uh, it seemed like when these two p- teams played a couple weeks ago uh, that it was, oh, the fun story, the Jets kind of came to an end. And then the Jets just turn around and then pull off a massive win against Buffalo, right? So uh, we are looking now at a chance for how legit is this Jets team? Uh, did they learn enough from the first time that they played New England? Uh, I have a feeling they're going to get some of the snow, not quite the same level of snow that Buffalo is going to get. Uh, though right now it's projecting to only be about 48 degrees in New England on Sunday. I'd be shocked if it stays that way, but you know, what do I know? I'm not some meteorologist here. Uh, New England's a three point favorite. This New England team is just not fun. And they're really weird to try to bet on because you almost have to discount the quarterback position entirely. And you're basically making a bet on, Hey, do we like the Pats defense? better than we like the Jets defense uh, and who they're getting matched up against. Um, Zach Wilson prone to make mistakes. We know that Bill Belichick is going to make life hard on them. I think this game comes down to a field goal. 
So uh, logic would tell me to take the Jets. Um, but I just don't think the New York Jets are going to go into Fox or uh, Foxborough and win a game. I just don't see myself doing that. So I do think it's going to be close. I do think New England finds a way to win it by four or five. I'm taking the Pats, even if it feels kind of like a, an ugly game heading into it. I'm riding with my guys, gang green. All right. I think the last, the only one I lost was when I picked the Jets against uh, the Patriots at home, which was a loss uh, against the spread. But I, I, I'm with you. I, I think uh, we've seen enough out of this this Bills defense or Bills. We just talked about them. The Patriots defense. I got NFC on the brain, Jeff, uh, or AFC East on the brain. Um, I, I think the Patriots defense has done enough that we've seen over the past couple of weeks that we can be like, wow, that's a drastic improvement. Um, only the Jets are coming off of a bye. So they've had a week to kind of get a little healthier, put it together. The the offensive line is going to be a problem uh, because one of the strengths that we've seen in the Patriots' uh, defensive improvement is their defensive line. So I think Zach Wilson's going to be in, in a bit of trouble, but they do have a good run game, uh, which I think can beat some of that some of the blitz and pressure that, uh, that Bill Belichick's going to bring. I'm going to take the Jets and ride with my gangrene. All right. Yeah, I mean, look, going back and uh, and and accounting through some of your uh, your picks so far, you've done a good job betting on the Jets. But you know who else does a good job, Scotty? Alliance Accounting. That's right. The heart of football season is here. The autumn wind is blowing. The leaves are turning different colors. And while you watch the season's turn, you should turn to the team at Alliance Accounting for all your personal and business tax solutions. Alliance Accounting has all the tools and resources you need to be prepared for any season. Their dedicated and knowledgeable team will help prepare your federal and state tax return while you prepare for your family football game. Enjoy your company Thanksgiving potluck while the Alliance team provides you the bookkeeping you need to maintain your company's financial organization and success. Alliance is here to help you. And with tax day just five months away, don't want to get caught off guard like your Aunt Linda at Thanksgiving every year. Don't go cold turkey on your personal or business finances to end 2022 and turn over a new leaf this season with Alliance Accounting. Right now, you can get 10% off your first service with Alliance Accounting. Just tell them the Read Option podcast sent you. The Read Option podcast listeners, visit the Alliance Accounting website at allianceacctng.com today or check out their Instagram at Alliance underscore accounting and get that 10% off your first service at Alliance Accounting. Alliance Accounting with you every step of the way. All right, continuing our preview. By the way, do you ever, do you guys, were you ever a big turkey bowl guy on Thanksgiving? Do you ever, oh, yeah. Do, you, do you the family every year football game? I played with my family, yeah. Really? We did it like, as, as kids, like me and my, like the other boy cousins, we would play like a like a pickup game and our we'd be in our nice, you know, slacks and our, our little change. sweater vests. And yeah, someone always got a grass stain, someone always got hurt. And oh no, we crying. see we did a whole thing. It was uh we'd come, you know, dressed uh for Thanksgiving, we'd have our clothes on, we'd have the duffel bag packed with our football stuff. Uh as we got older and more physical, uh, at least me and my cousins playing uh playing our uncles uh as well. But uh, as we got older. And more physical, it was we had to bring stuff to shower after so that we, we uh, you know, didn't A, smell and B, like yeah. get dirt everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it was, it, yeah, so it was a big deal in my family. We changed 
uh, for the game and change back into our clothes for Thanksgiving after I'm, the fact. I'm always kind of jealous because, I mean, you've met my uncles and, like, my dad's side of the family. Not a lot of size involved. Uh, you know, yeah. a lot of the I Gimple, mean, there's not in the mine. Brothers, I was the tallest one in my family playing. Well, that's that was the problem, though, because all the Gimple brothers are, like, 5'5", five, five, and me and my two cousins are all, like, six feet. So it, it immediately, by the time we were all in high school, it, it just there was no there was no sense in really doing well, that, was, that. Yeah, that was the thing. My hurt. my cousin, who's a year younger than me, played uh, quarterback most of the time, and I'd be the receiver. So we just wreck everybody because yeah. it's like we were the young. So you, the you have fond memories of, of it. Yeah. I don't oh, yeah. know if, if anyone else in your family probably did. Uh, all right, let's move on here, uh, including uh, or mentioning teams that uh, suck. <laughs> um, the Rams and the Saints, both terrible. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to this game whatsoever. Thank uh, God it's one, so we don't have to watch it. Yeah. In four this also window. falls onto the one of those games where, like, have these two teams ever played each other before? Like in the regular season? Like, I remember the the big playoff in game. the same conference, Jeffrey. I know, but like, there's some matchups, and maybe it's just because the Rams changed logos. But there's some matchups. I know part of my take talked about this recently. But there's some matchups where you're just like, I don't remember ever seeing a, like a Ram Saints game. And then my brain immediately goes to, oh, yeah, but there was that that the CD Deuce play who's or not. Yeah. CD Deuce play who is uh, who is now uh, a member of the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, the pass interference of the no call pass interference against was that Seattle or, or no, it was against the Saints and Rams and that whole game. I think it was the NFC divisional round, maybe. Um that a lot of people were not Wasn't happy it the about. NFC championship game, I believe. Was it in 2019? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 2018, the year that they, the Rams got yes. to the Super Bowl and lost. Speaking the of upstate New York, I, yeah. I, that's where I watched that game was in Cooperstown, yeah. New York snowed in speaking yeah. of six feet of there, snow. There you go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the saints are three point favorites here. Uh, I believe Andy Dalton is still slated for whatever reason to be the starting quarterback. Uh, I, Look, I don't think the Saints are particularly good. Okay. The Rams no longer have Cooper Cup. He's officially on IR. Most likely, I, I mean, depending on how the season goes, I'd be shocked if we see Cooper Cup again this season. Um, so I, it's a tough game to kind of give a read on. My my gut instinct says the Saints because I think Stafford is still a question mark as well. So uh, obviously if Stafford plays but no Cooper Cup, even if Stafford plays no Cooper Cup, I still think I'm going to take the Saints minus three, as nauseating as that is a, of a pick as that is to, to make. Yeah, well, and for if even if Stafford does come back, his problem wasn't the concussion. That no. was just a weekly thing last week. His problem has been that he, he's not right. Like his arm is not right. And we're still the one – solid guy that he could dependable guy that he could throw to is going to be out for most of the rest of the year. Uh, so your options are Allen Robinson, um, who I love, but has not played uh, nearly at the, uh, at the level that, that uh, he did when he was, uh, when he was younger. Uh, I'm, I'm still upset that he wasted all those years in Chicago or Chicago wasted all those years of his um, and Van Jefferson, who is one dimensional. And after that, they don't have a run game. Their offensive line is still not good. Um, and I just don't see a way, I mean, other than the defense keeping them in the game um, enough, this to me now looks more kind of like what we talk about uh, the Broncos, right? Is that the defense is going to keep them there, um, but it's going to be ugly and their offense needs to do enough. And I don't think with without Cooper Cup, I don't think their offense has enough uh, plus the home team 
in this matchup. This game is in the swamp in New Orleans. Um, and uh, the home team is eight and one against the spread in their last nine meetings. So I'm going to take the Saints as well. Reluctantly, this is going to be a, a disgusting game. I hope not, it doesn't show up on red zone. Yeah, I'm not looking. This is definitely going to be the game that that gets you know lost in the shuffle for red zone. Uh, I can't imagine they're going to be showing much of this, especially if it ends up being John Walford uh, again. But, I mean, the big thing for them, and I've been saying it all year, is the offensive line. I mean, the offensive line is horrible. And Stafford, in addition to that, Stafford hasn't looked like from the very – or hasn't looked right since the very beginning. Uh, the most telling thing about this, guess how much the ticket prices are for New Orleans. You can go to the, to the, uh, the Superdome for $27. Oh, wow. $27 to go see uh, this game, which tells you – You, you want to go? Uh, yeah, why not? Fuck it. Let's take a trip down to New Orleans. <laughs> um, read option live from the, uh, the swamp. Uh, all right, let's move on. We have up next. Sorry, you are taking New Orleans there, though. That's correct. What about yeah. you, Jeff? I'm taking New Orleans as well. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's going to be a really, really gross game. Um, but I will say, like, Andy Dalton hasn't been good. But weirdly enough, I like this Saints offense better than I like the Rams offense. And that's I'm, saying I'm, something. I'm basically choosing Kamara and the Saints defense against the Rams offense. Yeah. That's basically, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's and the offensive line, but even so, the Ram, the Saints' offensive yeah. line is beat up too. Uh, all right, let's move on here. Really interesting game, uh, Detroit on the road in the Meadowlands to take on the New York Football Giants. The Giants are a three point favorite here. Uh, we've talked about the statistics of the Giants; they are still a bottom four team in the NFL in terms of defense, uh, and they're going up against a team that has finally sort of gotten healthy. I mean. With the with obviously with the the glaring missing of uh, of T.J. Hawkinson after the trade, I mean you have DeAndre Swift back, Jamal Williams back. The offensive uh, the wide receiver room has been a little banged up, but you still have your number one guy there in Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, and they should be getting DJ Shark back soon. I don't think it's this week. I think it'll be the following week. Um, but you'll have Amon Ross St. Brown. You have some weapons. Uh, this to me screams a close game that the Giants win on a last second field goal because that's how all Giants games have basically gone this year. Uh, and I like Detroit. I think Detroit's going to cover the spread. I think Detroit might even come in and win this game outright. Uh, but if it's going to be a close game, I think Detroit has a good chance to cover. And I also think there's a, a world where Detroit's offense finally kind of exposes some of the limitations of this Giants defense, despite the fact that they've, you know, obviously performed well enough to get them to a seven and two record. So I'm taking the lions. Yeah, I'm, I'm there with you. I mean, what has, what have the Lions been successfully on offense? It's been hot starts the last couple of weeks. Uh, traditionally uh, for most of this season, we've seen New York come from behind or, or play uh, in, in a relatively close game, one, two scores and, and come back late in the game. Um, I don't think they're going to have the opportunity to do that. Uh, with with as close of a margin as they've as they've been uh, for for most of this year, and I think Detroit is is going to go in um, and play well on offense and on on defense. Uh, the one strength of their defense right now is their run defense, uh, and, and for whatever reason, New York doesn't want to throw the ball. Uh, they had the one big play from from Darius Slayton last week, um, but beyond that, Wandale Robinson hasn't showed up. He has he's been targeted like. Uh, I think the the average was three times over the last four games. 
and he was supposed to to step up and be one of those guys. Uh, Daniel Jones is holding the ball way too long. Uh, nobody's getting open. And so they're depending on Saquon Barkley, which as well as Saquon's played, as I said, the strength of this Lions defense is up front where they're going to be able to plug some of those gaps and, and cut cut off some of the running game. Uh, and as good as Saquon is, I, I don't know that uh, uh, 35 carries last week is is going to be able to uh, to be sustained this week, which is a word I keep using with this franchise, uh, this team this year, the New York Giants. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Lions as well. Uh, the Lions, I believe, are five uh, five and two in their last seven against the spread. Uh, against the Giants. All right. We're both on Detroit. Uh, let's move on now to the uh, next game, the Carolina Panthers in Baltimore. And my gut feeling going into this one here, Scotty, we have not seen a big Baltimore blowout since early in the season. I, f- I forget which game it was uh, that they got out to a big lead. Uh, and then ended up holding on. Um, that well, they oh, there was the game against Miami that they blew the lead from. Uh, other than, say, like, yeah, I was gonna say, other than that, yeah, there hasn't really been a big time Buffalo or a Baltimore win. They beat New York 24 to 9 in week one, they got off to like a 20 something point lead against Miami. But since then, we haven't really seen a big offensive explosion from Baltimore. Uh, Carolina, they've uh, no one knows what they're doing at the quarterback or at the the um, the quarterback position. We might see Sam Darnold. We might see Baker Mayfield. Uh, does not look like PJ Walker is going to be playing in this game. Uh, their their luck has run out as the team that fired their coach mid season, uh, and I think that uh, makes some sense. So uh, I'm going to take Baltimore here. They're minus thirteen. It's a huge number, but I do think that Baltimore will be able to control the line of scrimmage. They'll be able to score a lot of points. The defense should be able to shut this team out comfortably. So I'm taking Baltimore uh, minus 13, despite the massive number. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> I don't want to do it because I hate that number uh, at 13. And not only do I hate the number overall, but the fact that the Ravens have just been pathetic in the fourth quarter, um, which leaves the door wide open for uh for carolina to come in and move the ball and score and and have a backdoor cover uh man but i i think they're gonna be so far out in front now screw it I, i'm i'm going against my better judgment i'm gonna take the panthers because i think the trend is going to continue with the ravens uh not being able to uh to close out games in the fourth quarter and and look as for the panthers uh, their strength is run defense uh we know that uh Baltimore's not going to throw the ball very well and on offense. I think Carolina is a better team uh, with uh, with Baker Mayfield. They move the ball a little faster. Plus, the running game has has been able to come on. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take Carolina just for the backdoor cover at thir- because of the 13. All right, uh, let's move on now. Coming off the Monday night loss, stupid pick. <laughs> well, I was going to the other thing too is this would be a good game to tease if you want to tease some lines yeah. around a little bit. Yeah, um, if you can get it down, I mean, absolutely. Um, but yeah, because I, I think Baltimore wins this one comfortably. Uh, all right, up next, coming off the loss Monday night, we have the Philadelphia Eagles traveling to the Indianapolis Colts, coming off of their uh, first big uh, win under Jeff Saturday. Philly is a seven-point favorite on the road. You have to imagine this is a big bounce back game for Philly. Um, the Colts kind of had their emotional win. How long can they sustain that? 
Uh, the fear is if you are the Eagles, Jonathan Taylor running against this defense the way that Damian Pierce did and then Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson did last week. Do we see any sort of adjustment? Because we didn't see any from Houston to Washington. Will Jonathan Gannon fucking sack up and start to realize, hey, we're getting our ass kicked. Maybe I, I'm not the super genius and my system's always going to work. Maybe we need to stop dropping Robert Quinn and Josh Sweat into coverage. Maybe we should go after the fucking quarterback and maybe we should load some guys up at the line of scrimmage and let our two Pro Bowl corners play lockdown coverage on the outside. I expect that to happen. I don't think Indianapolis is going to be able to throw the ball a lick. Uh, and I expect Philly uh, to be able to hopefully make some adjustments. Linville Joseph and Ndamukong Sue. I know Joseph is expected to play. Uh, I don't know because the Ndamukong Sue news came out today on Thursday. So I'm not sure if we'll see Ndamukong Sue. Uh, but we will at least see Linville Joseph. Uh, and that alone, I mean, the, the comp coming out of, of Georgia was – Calais Campbell and Linval Joseph, you know, a, a big 300 plus pounder who's going to be able to plug up the line, take up multiple lane running lanes, take up double teams and allow your pass rushers to get one on one opportunities. Uh, and I think he's going to do a good job of helping get guys like Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat, Hassan Reddick uh, and Robert Quinn opportunities to get after the ball. So uh, I like the Eagles here, minus seven. This is a statement game. This is a big game. If you are Philly, you're a legit Super Bowl contender. You come off the bad loss on Monday night on the short week and you beat the living shit out of a bad Indianapolis team. Yeah. Uh, touchdown at this point doesn't seem like a lot for the Eagles because of how good their offense can be. Uh, I think the, the one of the two wide receivers is going to have a field day. I think you need to get back to committing to the run. Uh, that was something on. Yeah. On point. Monday night that we did not see uh, as much. I mean, Miles first Sanders time really carries. all year too. I mean, they've done a really good mm -hmm. balance, um, but with the for whatever reason they really and they were running the ball at you know five yards a carry basically with Miles mm -hmm. Sanders. Uh, they just were not giving him the opportunities. It's a great point, Scott. Yeah. Uh, so if you do that, I think you're in good shape. But um, look, I, this Colts team is it's going to be it's going to be fun. I mean, it it it's it came down to an emotional win and not only from the coach, but Matt Ryan with the 39 yard scramble ends up winning, getting the first down to win the seal, the game for the, for the Colts against a bad Raiders team. I'm riding them Colts. Let's go Jeff Saturday. <laughs> wow. All right. Underdog is four and one. In the last five times, these two teams have met underdog is four and one. I'm taking the Colts minus seven. I will plus seven. I will remember that. All right. Uh, all right. We got one more game here before the late window, and then we'll take a quick break. Uh, we have the Washington Commanders at the Houston Texans. The commies are minus three on the road. Uh, I kind of went back and forth on this game because Taylor Haneke plays up to his competition. This feels like one of those games where he's going to come in and play down. He's going to come in and make stupid mistakes. It's a one o'clock game. It's going to kind of be buried in the middle of the day. Uh, but I also don't want to bet on the Houston Texans to win a football game, especially with a spread as small as minus three. Um, but I'm going to anyway. I'm taking the Texans. 
I think this is the first really, really bad Taylor Heineke game. And I might live to regret that decision uh, because I totally see a world where Heineke continues to do what he does. I picked him up in fantasy because my quarterback was on a bye this week. So I'm kind of hedging my bets here because one way or the other, other, I'm either (laughs) going to be wrong on the pod or I'm going to make a right call on, on the, uh, on the uh, uh on the fantasy league so and we're playing each other jeff so are we uh, interesting we yeah yeah the second leg of the read option podcast you for you won the first one against veto uh you can clinch it if yeah. you beat me but you won't so uh i'll be we'll in see. contention for that your 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 team was not looking great last time i checked and while aj brown has got to come back too by the way we yeah. gotta he might not be playing that's a that's gonna be bad jamar chase is down i i got a whole thing anyway i i digress nobody wants to hear about my fantasy team nope. uh no, no, they don't. the uh, The Texans are one dimensional on offense, uh, yep. and, and they're, they're only going to be able to run the ball with Damian Pierce. And this, I mean, as we, we we said it in the open, talking about the Monday night game, this Washington defense is better and better and better each week. The strength of it was the off uh, the defensive line, and they built upon it with the uh, with the secondary play, particularly out of the safeties. And, and they get Chase Young back this week. I don't think the Texans are going to be able to move the ball at all. I think this is. Line is way too low, um, and, and you know I I respect you going for the home dog, but uh, Taylor Heineke's the man. Uh, he's going to be able to move the ball, uh, and and the the Washington defense is is going to be able to shut down the the Texans' run. So I'll take the Commanders. Honestly, I think you're right, but I'm still going to take Houston anyway because I'm an idiot. Home dog? No, I love it. <laughs> All right, I mean I bet on Houston last week, and the, them against the Giants over under 40 and a half and the game finished at 40. So I have a feeling if I bet on the Texans again, uh, I'm in for the same level of heartbreak. Uh, All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and wrap up the rest of the games on Sunday. We'll throw in some college picks. We're down to two weeks left of the regular season in college football. Sad. It's so sad. I still feel like I haven't had a a full blown Saturday to just sit around and do nothing but watch college football. Uh, but I'm going to try to this weekend. And then obviously Thanksgiving weekend, I'm definitely going to try to do that. Uh, and championship weekend. I mean, that's honestly, there's a lot of great weekends in college football, but I think there's a strong argument that conference championship weekend is the best weekend in college football because you are getting top tier games all across the wall, the wall, (laughs) and you get games all day. Uh, yeah. And it's it's actually fun and entertaining and you're not watching seven <laughs> games or 18 scores at one time. You're focusing on that. So we'll get our, uh, our, our college picks in on the other side as well. Take a quick break. Uh, we'll be back. All right. We got five more games left in the afternoon a slate here on Sunday, uh, starting off with another game that uh, makes me want to vomit. Uh, two teams that had high expectations coming into the year and two teams in the same division that have consistently disappointed us the las vegas raiders traveling to the denver broncos the broncos are a two and a half point favorites and scotty i'm going to do something that i haven't done all year i'm going to take the denver broncos and i really really don't want to but their defense is good the raiders suck they suck so hard um and russell wilson well they've at least proven to be somewhat competent in close games this year you know the game against san francisco uh how even the game against seattle right you know like and i know saying they've seemed somewhat competent seems kind of dumb because of all the nathaniel hackett stuff early in the year they've also won some games down the stretch they've been in a lot of games down the line 
And I think we're, I just, I think they're a better football team than the Raiders, uh, not by a whole lot. Uh, in addition to that, the Raiders are 0 and 5 on the road this year. So I'm taking Denver minus two and a half. You have the hook, and you're also getting uh, a potential field goal win there for Denver. So I'm taking the Broncos. It's weird, right? You go back the last 10 meetings. So we're talking five years. These teams have been pretty comparable, um, including this year. Uh, which we thought that they would have been comparable, but in the opposite direction of of the way that they both have gone. Uh, that Broncos offense is anemic, uh, but I think they have enough to be able to to withstand uh, what is uh, just a really bad Bronc or uh, uh, Raiders defense. Um, I don't care how much on uh, on the offensive side of the ball for the Ravens or Raiders. I don't care how much Derek Carr cries and and says that he's pissed off because they expect better of this team. Uh, then go out there and do it. All right, go out there and throw thirty one of forty one and four hundred yards and three touchdowns to Devontae Adams and two to Matt Collins. Go ahead, do it. I dare you because you can't. And so for that reason, I'm going to take the Broncos too. This game is this game at mile high. This oh yeah, forget at mile it. High. Forget it. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I'll sit here and talk kicking advantages. The Broncos are going to are, are are going to run away with this one. I I, I not, maybe not run away, but they're going to win this one uh, pretty comfortably. I think because the Raiders are just not a good football team. Look, and you're going to have X's and O's. Uh, Raiders on offense are going to have Devontae Adams matched up with one of the best cornerbacks in football and Pat Sertan, uh, who's playing out of his freaking mind uh, right now and all the year this year. So uh, I'm, I'm going to take the Broncos too. All right. Pair of us on the Denver Broncos. Let's move on. I don't on like now. it either, Jeff, just to, no. just so we're clear. No, I don't think, <laughs> and nor should anybody. Uh, all right. Next up here, probably one of the best games of the week. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys in Minnesota, a big game for both teams. Uh, Minnesota wins and an Eagles lost somehow. Minnesota's in first place in the NFC, right? Uh, and if the Cowboys win, they knock a team that they're competing with. Uh, now, obviously, the Cowboys would have to leapfrog two teams to get to the one seed in the NFC East and then potentially you know, get that kind of home field advantage. But nonetheless, you're still knocking down a team in your division. Uh, this game is in Minnesota, and Dallas is a one-and-a-half-point favorite in Minnesota. Uh, that line is is interesting to me, but essentially this comes down to a pick em. How well does Minnesota respond after a big-time emotional win and an emotional couple of weeks for them? And same thing for Dallas. How do they respond after blowing a game the way that they did against Green Bay? Uh, and they have to be on the road two weeks in a row, Going up, uh, indoor game, which I think does favor the Cowboys. It feels like a get-right game for Dallas on the road. I'm going to pick Dallas to win and cover the one-and-a-half points. Uh, I don't – I mean, this is a lose-lose for me. I'm either rooting for Dallas to get the team right, you know, nipping on the Eagles' heels, you know, another game back, or I'm rooting for the team that's right behind the Eagles to win and potentially, you know, dethrone the Eagles as the one seed. So it sucks for me. But as a football fan, I think it's going to be a good game. I like Dallas to win. Um, unless Minnesota is able to, to to run the football consistently, I'm going to take the Cowboys. I hate it too, Jeff. I'm going to take the Cowboys as well. But uh, I think what they need to do is con continue to commit to the run. First of all, just get Ezekiel Elliott out of there. Uh, they're much better running the football when Tony Pollard is the is the A-back. Much better. And when you commit to that, the, uh, well, look how good they've been. 
uh, on offense. Um, and, and so that to me is going to be a key. Uh, obviously, they they had the huge game out of CeeDee Lamb last week, but that was because they were playing from uh, from the hip and just shooting from the hip and 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 letting letting him uh, go out and and have a game of his life. Um, I don't think that can. I mean, it could continue against this Minnesota secondary. Obviously, they. Uh, they had a big game last week against Josh Allen and forced him into some tough decisions. I can see some of that happening against Dak Prescott as well. But uh, to me, it, it's it's a dome game, a road game. It favors uh, uh, it favors the Cowboys. The Cowboys are ten and two against the spread in their last ten, uh, twelve games off of a loss. Uh, and it's a four. Uh, I believe this is the four twenty five game. Uh, yep. So we don't get one o'clock Kirk Cousins. That's the greatest quarterback of all time. Not at four o'clock. Give me the Cowboys. That's true. And this is the game of the week on CBS. So we should be getting the Jim Nance crew and Tony Romo drooling over his Cowboys as he always does. Uh, so we're both on the Cowboys. All right. Uh, two more games on Sunday and then our Monday yeah. night game. Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. The Bengals on the road, a three and a half point favorite. Still no Jamar Chase. Uh, but the last time we saw the Cincinnati team, Joe Mixon went off. Uh, and when we saw the Steelers coming back with T.J. Watt, that defense looked a hell of a lot more formidable. Uh, interesting little rematch here from week one when T.J. Watt first played and got hurt and the Steelers end up winning that game closely. Do we see another upset here for the Steelers at home? In uh, I'm always going to call it Heinz Field, so at, at Heinz Field. No, we don't. I like even as good as the defense looked last week with TJ Watt back in there. I don't think you need uh, a ton out of Joe Mixon, right? Uh, to, to, uh, he, he helps open up this offense, but I don't think you're going to need to ask him to, to do a whole lot. Uh, because even if, if you do, they're going to collapse on the blitz. It's just what Pittsburgh does. And, and that'll open up things for T Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Um, in the, in the passing game. And Joe Burrow's uh, good enough running the ball. I mean, he's had two touchdowns in the last two games he's played on uh, on rushes. So um, I think they're going to be able to have enough on in the tank on offense, say, even without uh, Jamar Chase there. Uh, and their defense has been playing better each week too. I mean, their defensive line has looked better. Their secondary is a problem. George Pickens might beat him for one, but I mean, Kenny Pickett's not going to, uh, not going to demolish the, uh, the, the Bengals defense. They're, they're pretty, pretty tight so far this year. So I'm going to take the Bengals. I'm also going to take the Bengals. Uh, and part of this is, and the biggest part of this for me is the offensive line improvement for Cincinnati. Uh, it was a new line. They didn't play in the preseason together and they got thrown into, uh, you know, uh, Hayward and, uh, and TJ Watt week one, and they got their ass kicked. And if there's one thing that I'm, I'm confident that since this Cincinnati team is doing uh, all this week and then in their bye week as well, is crunching film on how they can better protect Joe Burrow and run against this defensive line. I think they will do it. The offensive lines looked better. I think the Bengals are looking to try to make a run here, but it all starts with a win against Pittsburgh because if the season were to end today, the Bengals would not be in the playoffs. And uh, I, I don't. I think this Bengals team is too good, uh, even without Jamar Chase, to, uh, to not hold that up. So I'm also taking Cincinnati. Uh, our Sunday night game, a rematch of one of the best Thursday night games, probably the best Thursday night game we had this year, Chiefs-Chargers in L.A. Uh, the Chiefs coming off of a, a really great stretch uh, of, a, of a few games in a row now. Kansas City looks to be um, 
like the team that we think, in my opinion, the best team in football. Um, they're going up against the Chargers team that is finding ways to win uh, unbe- like, um, borderline miraculously, given the amount of injuries and stuff that they've had. And Justin Herbert's been a huge part of that. Kansas City is a six-point spread. And, Scotty, I love the Chargers in this game. It's a Sunday night. It's two great quarterbacks. And, yes, you have Chris Jones on that offensive line, but there's no one else in that offense on that defensive line for Kansas City that really, really scares you. Their secondary can be had. I think that the Chargers are going to be able to move the ball through the air with Austin Eckler. Uh, and, and I think this ends up being a close game with the Chiefs winning at the end uh, and, and improving to eight and two, but six-point spread, I think it's a great line. I'm going to take the Chargers to cover the six points. I think you're right if the Chargers come out and play two halves of defense, uh, both against the run and the pass that uh, that they played last week in the Sunday night game against the 49ers, where they collapsed in the second half and just got absolutely demolished in the run game. I think that's a distinct possibility where uh, Patrick Mahomes uh, is, is having a, a decent game, maybe one interception in the first half. They come out and uh, and are like, hey, you know what? Let's just run the ball. Keep it away from uh, from Justin Herbert in the well, offense. Well, it likely wouldn't and be Pacheco. running the ball. It likely be the short passing uh, game. Yeah, either, either, either way, way. Getting yeah. you know McKinnon and, and Clyde edwards Lair and those guys involved. Yeah, Pacheco out of the Pacheco, back. Yeah, yeah. it's it's. It, I think that they're they're going to do way more than enough in the second half to manage that game, uh, just as the Niners did last week. So I'm going to take the Chiefs in prime or uh, in in the uh, in the 425 game. No, that's Sunday night. Oh, that's Sunday night. Yeah, even yeah. better in prime time. Perfect. I was gonna say you said you said prime time, and then you stopped. I was like, no, you were right. Give me Patrick Mahomes in prime time, even better. <laughs> All right, and that leaves us with the NFL game, uh, the last international game of the year: Niners Cardinals in Mexico City. Uh, right now, the Niners eight point favorites as the quote unquote away team. Uh, so no real home field advantage here for the Cardinals. Oh, however, how wrong you are. <laughs> well, I was going to say, but however, this is technically away from their normal stadium, which they are 11 and three on the road. So if we're counting this as a road game, maybe we see a better version of the Cardinals, uh, but we will see a banged up Kyler Murray against a really good Niners defense who are starting to click uh, and, and on offense. In addition to that defense being so good. I love the Niners here. I know it's a big spread, uh, but I think San Francisco gets it done. But how? What are you expecting out of your boys this week, uh, Scotty, uh, going up against the Cards? Uh, well, out of the boys, I'm expecting a, a lot more uh, of the same. I'll get to that in a second, though. Uh, this has been dubbed. Eighty-two uh, percent of the the, uh, the tickets so far have gone to, uh, according to numbers from Ticketmaster, uh, San Francisco 49ers fans. Wow. So uh, it's already been called Levi's South of the Border. Uh, we <laughs> call uh, SoFi City and Levi's South because we we populate uh, uh, that that place when we when we d- dominate the Rams in the regular season. Uh, and so this is Levi's South of the Border here in Mexico City. So uh, we will have uh, what will feel probably more like a home crowd um, uh, with all the Niners fans there. And on top of that, uh, look, I think. Uh, I think a lot of the the things that we can expose uh, the on the Cardinals defense, uh, there's going to be a lot of one on ones with Brandon Ayuk. Uh, you're going to be able to have to to throw the ball, uh, and I and I think I'm not sure last week if we limited Christian McCaffrey just to get Eli Mitchell kind of back in the swing, but that's a a tandem that I think can be uh, uh, can be used with with great success against this Cardinals defense who who lets up a ton of yards uh, against the rush. Um, I'm not really that concerned on offense. 
uh, because as dynamic as Kyler can be, it's just the same same old story. Chicken with his head cut off, uh, running around. D Hop can go get his um, if if it's there. Zach, no, Zach Ertz is going to be huge. That was a huge outlet for uh, for Kyler Murray. Zach Ertz yeah. done for the year. Uh, well, and that's and, did we know for sure? Was that an ACL? Uh, I it said knee. I didn't. I didn't follow up on it. I just saw yeah. he was done for the year. I just it's something we um, didn't touch on um, on on Tuesday. Tuesday yeah, spot that I want to for you particularly. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Just you know, as a sports fan, when you see one of your guys, uh, you know, who who is so vital to your your team success and a championship and like an all time member of one of your teams, even uh, when any player goes down the NFL like that, like your heart goes out to them. But particularly like when it's one of your guys, like it's fucking hit home, man. Like it, it was like one of those, I was like, fuck dude. Like if that's an ACL um, yeah, it does not look like they said yeah. anything specific yet. Um, they just said it's a knee uh, and he's scheduled for surgery and we'll miss the remainder of the season. Um, yeah. That's a in bummer, other man. words, it's and he was a big, be, yeah, he was, he had, a, he was having a good year. He was having a nice, yeah, he was revival. a big part of that offense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, he was nowhere near, you know, prime Zach Ertz, but, he was playing really well. So yeah. uh yeah, it's a shame that that we lost Ertzy this week. Yeah, um, for sure. All right. So you are the, also I, you're on the Niners. Yeah, I, I just I think there's gonna be a whole lot. You're seeing just I think the tip of the iceberg of not only the tandem backs of Christian McCaffrey and Eli Mitchell, but what we can do out of the backfield with Debo and uh and Christian McCaffrey and split sets. It's it's going to get weird, folks, but it's yeah. going to be really cool. As like I got to figure out how to fucking use Debo Samuel because he's being benched on my fantasy lineup this week. But, you know, we never oh. talk about fantasy, but, like, I have four good wide receivers and three spots for him. So, between Amon Ross St. Brown, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, uh, T. Higgins, and D- Debo Samuel, Debo's been the worst out of all four of those guys. Um, and I hope Debo gets record, 40 this week. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna be I'm terrified of of that decision, <laughs> and we still have some time. We'll still see we'll see if I end up switching it because I could always switch out D Hop and Debo at the end of the, the end of that. But um, yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, D uh, Hop's definitely the safer play. Um, uh, yeah, our secondary has been banged up, <laughs> but um, and just because he's gonna get he gets so many targets in that offense. But yeah, we'll see where it goes. All right, and uh, let's move on here to wrap up the show. We have what we're calling the trap weekend in college football, because there is one game that means anything in college football this weekend in terms of like good matchups uh, and everything else feels like a trap game uh, that could potentially upset the way that the college football playoff works out. Uh, And we're going to start with Illinois at Michigan. Michigan is an 18 point favorite at home against the fighting Illini Scotty. Does Michigan have enough to cover the 18? Um, I So here's the thing. <clears throat> I think they do. But I genuinely think that the, if there was a look-ahead game uh, in the definition, uh, at, or in the dictionary definition, this would be it, uh, the picture right beside it. Because Michigan has to win out, right? We, we we talked a little bit about uh, scenarios, playoff scenarios in the uh, in the break, uh, but Michigan has to win out. Their non-con is not going to get them in, uh, even with one loss. 
Um, they would need a ton of chaos to happen. Around. And they would need, they would, but like, even with one loss, I do think they, that they could theoretically get in. If it was, a, if do, it was I like a too. field goal overtime game against Ohio state in Columbus. Yeah. I do think with one loss. And then again, we'd have to have like Clemson would have to have another loss. USC would have to have another loss. Uh, I could theoretically see them sliding in that way, but I am with you. I, I think at this point, they pretty much have to win out. They have to win out. So you can take care of business uh, this week and get to next week, but I think this is a classic, classic look ahead. Uh, Illinois has been playing well on the defensive side of the ball uh, for for most of the year. Brett Bielema uh, doing a hell of a job in his second year um, at Illinois. I'm gonna I'm gonna take Illinois to cover, um, just because of of the look ahead. That is so vital to the season for Michigan. Uh, that that game against Ohio State, they're not going to get a whole ton of film on Michigan uh, from this week. But um, but man, I, I really think that they they genuinely are just trying to get to next week unscathed because that's a, that's and they're all must wins. But that is the ultimate must win game, rivalry situation on the road, all of it. So give me Illinois to cover this week. Yeah, uh, I, I, my, my gut instinct is with that many points to agree with you, and I do think Illinois is a better team. If this game was in Champaign, I would probably feel differently about it. Um, but it's in, uh, it's in Ann Arbor, which I think favors the Buckeyes. There's only two games in the Big Ten that they've played this year that they haven't won by 18 or more points. That was uh, home against Maryland and at Iowa. Uh, every other game that they've played in this year, they've won by 18 or more points. I um, know. Uh, actually, no, that's, oh yeah, sorry. No, yeah, it is true. Um, so I, I'm going to roll with the Wolverines. I do think that they cover. Um, I think Blake Corum at this point has established himself as the best running back in college football. Uh, I mean, there's some other guys you can throw in there. B. John Robinson, you can talk about Travion Henderson. There's some other guys around. Um, but Blake Corum has been a stud, and he's also not the only running back in that backfield, which is also really scary. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, I just looked up some stats, my man. Uh, right. Vic, you're, you're going to love this. You know I'm the stat man. You are a stat uh, guy. The underdog, in, and this might sway you, Jeffrey. All right. The underdog in this matchup, Illinois-Michigan, 6-1 and one against the spread in the last seven meetings. The Fighting Illini are five and two against the spread, like in in the last seven, because they've been the underdog. Give me the Illini. I'll say this though: like I expected Michigan to have a bit of a a down year after what happened last year, getting to the playoff. Right? It's this unbelievable validating season. They beat Ohio State, and you think there's no way that Michigan's going to be able to run it back, and yet it seems like the adjustments that they've made, despite losing assistant coaches Michigan has still found a way to go and you got to give credit to Jim Harbaugh man the guy who was so rigided I know you won't but he took your team to a Super Bowl shut up um he was always so uptight and 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 unwilling to ever move uh, or adjust and now he's willing to adjust and it's still his style of offense it's still his style of team but they have they replenished the the Joe Moore award offensive line you know, for the best offensive line in football with another group that might win the Joe Moore award this year. Uh, and their running backs are really good. JJ McCarthy has been really good. I, I like Michigan. I'm taking the Wolverines. 
Uh, mm. All right, up next, TCU at Baylor, the undefeated Horn Frogs. Baylor, a lot of people's picks to win the Big 12. They were my pick to win the Big 12 this year. Has definitely had a disappointing year. They've battled injuries. Dave Aranda struggled a little bit in year number three with Baylor. Uh, this TCU team, they haven't won every game by a million, uh, but that offense is really good, and this game is in – uh, in Waco, which I also again think helps out the uh, the 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 uh, Baylor Bears, they get by with the win against Texas last week. I think Baylor has a better defense than Texas. I can see TCU having slip up here before the season's over. I'm gonna take the Baylor Bears to upset TCU mm. uh, in in week 12. I guess it is technically in college football. Uh, and will hand TCU their first loss of the season, the Baylor Bears, on the upset. Interesting. Um, I can I can definitely see that happening, uh, especially as close as we are to to Dallas uh, with uh, in the Big Twelve championship game. Uh, TCU's already clinched that spot, right? I think they have a spot in the in the Big Twelve championship game, regardless. Uh, but when you talk about that then you talk about what's beyond that, right? And the and the spot in the top four is on the line. And that's been one of the huge problems with the Big 12. I would love it if TCU just ran the table, got into the playoff, and just stuck it to, to Texas and Oklahoma and said, screw you guys, go ahead and leave. I don't care. We don't need you. Uh, you screwed the Big 12 already this year, and, and you've had nothing to show for it in football, and you won't have anything to show for it in basketball and any other sport, maybe swimming and diving, but Texas is really good at those. Uh, but hey, uh, I'm going to take the Horn Frogs here. Uh, they're five and zero in their last five meetings in Baylor. Road team is five and one. All the all the uh, odd spreads are uh, against all the odds against the spread are against them, and and they have uh, even though they're in the 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 conference title game already, they have more to lose here, uh, which uh, again usually favors the 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 home dog in this situation. But I like TCU. I like Sonny Dykes. Uh, I like what they're doing, and I think they're going to run through the Big Twelve and get into the playoff. All right. You make a sound case, but I also think you're making a sound case for why Baylor's going to win the game, too. Uh, all right. Up next, we have Georgia at Kentucky. I, I neither. This is included in the trap games. I don't think either one of us thinks that Georgia's going to lose this game. Uh, Georgia's way too good. Kentucky's been oh. definitely disappointing. But Kentucky, Lexington, in close games, a lot of weird shit happens there. I kind of wish this was a night game. If Kentucky was a little bit better, if they were eight and two, at this point, this probably would have been a night game. Um, but I think this is going to be a really interesting matchup. And I think it's going to be a touch closer than people think. Not by a ton. Last time when they played last year, uh, I believe Kentucky covered. It was like a 14-point spread. And Kentucky scored on that last-second touchdown. And there was all that drama when they were playing in Athens. Um, it was earlier on in the season. I remember taking Kentucky to win that game. And uh, they kept it close at the start of the season. I think Kentucky finds a way to dig deep here. Just to cover the 22 and a half, I don't think they lose by three-plus touchdowns. That being said, Georgia's a monster. Georgia can beat anybody in the country by three-plus touchdowns. So I wouldn't be surprised if Georgia rolls through them, and this might be dumb, but I'm going to take Kentucky to cover the spread. Georgia's 4-0 and this year in games where they're favored by three touchdowns or more. It's going to be Georgia. Mm -hmm. Valid point. All right. Uh, two more games here. We're going out to the West Coast for both of them. Utah at Oregon. This game doesn't really mean anything because both teams have two losses. 
Uh, both teams are six and one in the uh, Pac-12, however. So there's a very good chance that the winner of this game will advance to the Pac-12 championship game. So it's worth keeping an eye on. Uh, right now, Utah is a two-point favorite in Oregon. Oregon coming off of a loss against Washington. Uh, I like this this Utah team a lot. I always say that at the end of the year. It's the first time in a while we've had back-to-back really good Utah teams. And to think if they just held on against Florida in week one, Utah would probably be uh, in the mix for, uh, you know, a college football playoff berth. But instead, you know, the you can go the Jim Harbaugh and Michigan route, right, and play a cupcake out of conference schedule. Or you can – Give yourself a challenge and go across country and play a team like Florida in Gainesville. And this year, bit them in the ass. But credit to Utah. They never back down for, from a fight. This is going to be a fun game. Uh, I just have a hard time believing Oregon's going to lose twice in a row at home in a, t- in a big-time matchup like this. So I'm going to take Oregon as the home dog, uh, even though I do love this Utah team. Uh, I just think Oregon is going to have a big bounce back. Bo Nix has played really good football this year. Uh, much to everybody's surprise, I think Oregon gets the job done. I do too. And I think when you talk about classic football, classic college football, uh, at this point, what is Oregon fighting for? Rose Bowl, right? That's the yeah. destination at this point. And, and that means more to, uh, I, for you Big Ten and Pac-12 fans listening, that means more traditionally uh, than than for any other uh, college football bowl game uh, that has ever existed. Uh, And so I think for them uh, and the Oregon fans, uh, not only is this their last home game of the year, it's going to be senior day, uh, but it's going to be one that they need to, to win against a good Utah team uh, who, who I I love them too. I love what they're doing. Uh, A a roller coaster year for them too, a little bit in, in, in a lot of ways, but um, uh, the, the home team here uh, is going to be critical. And uh, it, this is a game in Austin. Uh, at Autzen Stadium in, in Eugene, Oregon. So I'm going to take the Ducks there. The uh, the home team is 5-0 and against the spread in the last five meetings here uh, in this matchup. All Go right. Ducks. Go Ducks. Uh, and that leaves us with the only game of significant consequence. Uh, if UCLA didn't lose to fucking Arizona last week, this game would have been really, really interesting. But we have yeah. USC, UCLA, uh, the 9-1 and Trojans playing against the 8-2 and Bruins. I will say this. For all of the USC and all the anger, all the people who are pissed off at Lincoln Riley and all that stuff, it's a good thing to have USC good in college football. And I know that this year feels somewhat fluky because it's the first year and they haven't even really started getting their like recruiting base yet uh, in terms of both lines of the uh, of both offensive and defensive lines. But Lincoln Riley is going to rectify that. He's going to put that fence up in Southern California and make sure that he gets those top level recruits. Caleb Williams is one of the top four favorites to be in New York for the Heisman ceremony. I don't think he'll win, but he'll be in the conversation. But if USC makes a run to the college football playoff, Caleb Williams has a, is basically the entire reason why. Uh, and I think there's a really, really good chance uh, USC could potentially do that, but they have to get by UCLA first. Uh, this is in the Rose Bowl, so kind of a neutral game. And USC is a two and a half point favorite, which feels about right. What are you shaking your head? No, it's not neutral. That's UCLA's home field. Have you seen UCLA's home field? Do you see how many fans they get? Yeah, Big Ten media money, about as baby. many about as about <laughs> as many Cardinals 
fans are going to be in Mexico city are going to be in uh, the Rose bowl rooting on UCLA. But so I think because of that, I do think it's going to be a good crowd, but I think it is going to end up being about 50, 50 because even though UCLA was undefeated at some point, they still couldn't put more than like 5,000 people in the stands. So uh, I think people will show out for this one. I think this will be a good game. Again, if UCLA doesn't lose, this could have been a top 10 matchup of one loss teams with the, with the right to go to the college football playoff on the line, USC two and a half point favorite. I like the Trojan Trojans. DTR has been at UCLA for a while. Chip Kelly's done a good job. You would think UCLA is going to come off of a big loss like that against Arizona and fight hard. And I think they will, but I think Caleb Williams is going to be too much to overcome. I'm taking the Trojan Trojans. Give me USC. Yeah. I love this head coaching matchup because it's a yeah, couple of, of really innovative brains. Well, and it feels uh, like Lincoln Riley is Chip Kelly, but like 10 years apart. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, so a couple of things. Uh, I want to start with, I hate the fact that this LA matchup is overshadowing the big game up in Northern California, Stanford, Cal, go bears. Uh, but this game means more, <laughs> I, I think to, uh, to the landscape of college football uh, at this point, look, Another thing I love about this game, both teams wearing their home colors. So we got the the crimson jerseys for USC oh, yeah. and the, the baby blues for UCLA. You I love make, that. You can make the argument it's the best color matchup in college football. Oh, yeah. Easily. Uh, I just don't see it. Again, there's more on the line for USC. Uh, UCLA is going to come out and fight. They've done it all year, uh, especially after after the loss they suffered down in, uh, in Tucson last week. Uh, Tucson, Arizona, tough place to play. Things get weird there, but uh, here at the Rose Bowl, this is going to be uh, this is going to be USC here because Caleb Williams and and the uh, and the Trojans have more to prove. Two and a half seems awfully low for me uh, to be playing in the same city in which your 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 university is. Uh, not to mention the uh, the favorite here is six and two in the last eight meetings. Like I know these rivalry games get weird. I'm not going to bet Stanford and Cal because I want the Bears to win, and I don't want any part of that. Uh, same thing here. Uh, I don't want to bet any part of this game, uh, but I do think that the Trojans roll. Oh, you're going with – I thought you were setting that up to go with UCLA. No. <laughs> no, rolling with US, uh, USC. I, I really wanted to take UCLA, but the the, bo- the bottom line is I went with who's the best player. Who's the guy? Because yeah. that one of the amazing things about college football is it's kind of a hybrid between – the end between the NFL and the NBA, right? Where in college football, if you have one truly special player, you can control a game with that player alone. And USC has that with Caleb Williams, right? Steph Curry, LeBron James, any of those guys. And that's the NBA side of it. But this, the football side of it, which is the thing that always wins in football line of scrimmage, all that stuff, because the talent level is not evenly distributed across the board in college football, one player who is truly unique and special can control a game. And Caleb Williams is that guy. I'm with you, Caleb Williams, USC role. And I would, I would love to see USC break the slump. I would love to see USC in the college football playoff. I think that'd be amazing for college football. I think it would be amazing to see a new uniform in there. They've never been to the college football playoff. Yeah, that's I'm good with that. It's, it's better for college football as a whole to have USC uh, involved and it's better for college football as a whole to have somebody from the Pac-12 representing, you know, you know, in in the college uh, football 10. playoffs. Sorry, because well, only for a little bit, only for a little bit, right? <laughs> we you got to wait a couple more years. Uh, it's amazing. I completely forgot about that. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, hasn't that gotten overshadowed by the season this year? <laughs> so I guess Pac-12 fans are probably pulling for UCLA, so that way that neither one of these teams makes it as a member of of uh, the Pac-12. But yeah, my argument kind of fell apart with the Big Twelve there, huh? 
Yeah. I should have picked UCLA. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. All right. Uh, but that will do it for us on the pod this week. We have a new bit coming in, a new segment coming in next week when we get Vito back. Vito had some crisis management stuff he had to take care of. So uh, we missed him today. We don't blame him. He was set to come on the pod. He was going to be with us today. But now that uh, our boy Grant Calcaterra is going to be starting or at least in the mix for the Eagles in the receiving game, uh, we got to try to get him on sooner rather than later. But though, I think he has some homework to do. So if he skips us in order to study and prepare, I'm okay with that. Unacceptable. So, oh, okay. (laughs) All right. Uh, For Scotty, I'm Jeff. Everybody have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy the last couple weekends of regular season football. Uh, Have a great weekend pre-Thanksgiving. Next time we talk, uh, we will most likely try to get the Thursday pod or the Friday pod out uh, either Thursday morning uh, or maybe even Wednesday, depending on how the schedule works out because we do have the holidays coming next week. So we will get our picks out one way or another. More on that next week. Everybody, thank you. We love you. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Take it easy, everybody. Take it easy, everybody.